Exactly. And I think it can become like a habit. It seemed like that with uh, those two friends I have. They seem to roll easier in the habit of complaining than of highlighting what is good about their partner or their child. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. everybody welcome to this episode of having your partners back and i have a conversation with my wife rainbow and we talk about uh, times that we felt that we've had each other's back that created emotional safety and security in our relationships and trust and also the opposite times that we didn't feel that we had each other's back and i think it's a a wonderful topic to have conversations in your relationship about because you have so many opportunities to have each other's back and there's so many opportunities to erode that and take away that emotional trust and safety. You know, when you feel that you can count on another person, especially your partner, that's a wonderful foundation to have in your relationship. So before we get on to the episode, I do want to thank uh, some donors. I'd like to thank Sarah from Asheville. Thank you so much for donating to my podcast. And Jim in California, I really appreciate it. And those of you that are inclined to want to support the podcast that way, you can go to my website, prepo.com. Hit the podcast, support the podcast page, and you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited about making this announcement. Another live Zoom couples workshop, The Art of Apology. It's going to be happening on two different times and dates for you to choose from. The first one is Sunday, April 24th, and the other to choose is Sunday, May 15th from 1 to 5 p.m. You know, so many of us don't learn how to give a heartfelt, sincere, remorseful apology. A lot of times we defend, we deflect, we explain. A heartfelt apology, a sincere apology can transform resentments, can stop the stacking of past regressions. And it's one of the best tools in order to create a deeper connection in your relationship. So if you want to find out more, you can go to my website, prebog.com. You can click on Relationships Let's Learn About It online courses, and you can register there. Okay, folks, here we go. This episode of Having Your Partners Back, conversation with my wife, Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. 
for stepping in tonight because that's a that's a big deal. You were caught off guard. Mm-hmm. I was. This is my day off and my night off because you are in town or was supposed to be in town after work doing a podcast and going out with a friend for dinner. Yeah, and it fell through. My my podcast guest canceled at the last moment, and I kind of freaked out a little bit because I have a deadline. I got to get it in today to make sure that it's it's loaded. And um, so I came home early. You weren't expecting me. Suddenly you came in the door. I was a little <laughs> surprised, definitely, because I had a couple of deadlines and things I had planned for the evening and that I absolutely needed to do. And you came in like, you got to help me. I need to make a podcast tonight. Yeah. And you felt it out a little bit. You said, let me just finish the things that I'm doing and and fill it out. So, um, And then you agreed to it. So I thought, man, you, you got my back. And so that's the, that's the focus that I think would be really good to do the podcast about having your partner's back, um, creating the emotional security and safety for, for your partner, how that feeds aspects of connection and loyalty and safety and yeah yeah that is what it is and i had to just uh, swallow my disappointment a little bit about not getting to do some other projects i had in mind and i was like okay i'll be flexible i'll do them tomorrow it's mm. fine yeah. but i knew i had two deadlines that was not going to compromise on those so um yeah. yeah, I wrapped myself around this, and here we are. Yeah, helping me out. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's that's what I think is so important because a lot of couples struggle in kind of losing themselves to the other partner, of being available to them or bailing them out, and and this is not so much about you know when you step up because I think it's great to step up in emergencies for your partner. I think like. To have that reliability, you know, it's great to do that with friends and say, hey, I got your back, I'll, I'll help you out. But also there's the subtle aspects of emotional safety that I think are so important, like talking well about the other person in public. Like I love when you do that. I think that you got my back and I feel emotionally secure when I hear you talking to your friends or your family of fondness of me talking about positive aspects of me. You're not backstabbing me. You're not criticizing me. You're putting out, not falsely, I don't believe, I think you're being honest, but I feel, wow, I feel secure in that, that you're talking in that positive way uh, about me to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it also lies naturally in my nature to focus on the positive and, you know, being around with my friends and there's limited time of airspace anyway. So I don't really want to use that to complain about you or something. I mean, what would that serve? I would rather speak about something that I appreciate in you or something interesting we've done together. But I do have a couple of friends who likes to take the opportunity when they're with me to complain about their partner or their child. 
and go on and on. Yeah. And I think there's a difference of having to confide in a friend at times about a struggle that you're having with your partner or your kid, but not the constant aspect that you're talking about when, so you really don't even know, you know, what do you like about this person? What do you, what, what, what do they really bring in a positive light to you? Exactly. And I think it can become like a habit. It seemed like that with uh, those two friends I have. They seem to roll easier in the habit of complaining than of highlighting what is good about their partner or their child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that that creates a level of, of security knowing that we're representing each other. In, in a positive light, not to put on errors again, but as a positive uh, reinforcement. And that helps me to reinforce and think about you in that way. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I mean, and you have been a really good role model for me too, because you will always speak exceptionally nice about me to your friends and your family and uh, brag about me and then when I meet them, they will talk about what you what you have said about me. And I'm like, whoa, I'm surprised you know that about me. And wow, aha. Uh -huh. So it was Prebo telling about these things about me. And I'm really pleased about that. And it makes me feel seen and valued and loved. And I really appreciate you are very good at that. Mm, thanks. Because there were times in the past where it wasn't always like that. And that didn't feel good. If I would talk about some things that I didn't like about you or that I felt critical about, and that didn't feel good to talk about that to other people. Sure, there was sometimes I needed a friend in confidence that I was having an issue, but just to pick you apart, was that, that's absolutely ridiculous. I wanted to uplift you and, and you know highlight why I'm with you. And that helped me, of course, with our appreciations to see more of that. So I love that we have each other's back in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really nice and mature. Because as you say, in the younger years, uh, we could be frustrated with each other, having a little child and and uh, not getting enough sex and like that. I can understand the need you had to... Complain about not having Complain sex. about me to your friends. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And then suddenly you changed. And I think it coincided with you um, taking this education as a psychotherapist. Gotta walk my talk, baby. You know, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I think how important emotional safety is when I... When I think about my work as a therapist, I see how that's taken away in in relationships. One of the biggest way that emotional safety is when there's infidelity. Boy, that partner that cheats definitely doesn't have their partner's back at all, you know, in that because in some way we're supposed to, as, as uh, emotional partners, to be able to relieve the other person as much as possible from some hurt and suffering, especially not cause it. And I think when we purposely cause that hurt through an intentional choice like an affair, that really does not have the other person's, 
you don't have the other person's back. Yeah, I want to say that that's actually an area where I feel really safe and I feel you have my back, that I just know I can 100% trust you when you are out away from home, out in life and around other women, that I can just trust you. And you're a really handsome man. Yeah, baby, thank you. <laughs> and what's even more important, though, is that you're very trustworthy and loyal. Mm. So I totally trust you, and I don't mind that you also have girlfriends that you hang out with. Mm. I mean, women friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel totally safe about that, and I think it's very healthy that you have women friends. And I really appreciate that you do have that. So I am not the only female in your life that you are gonna, you know, have that kind of um, womanly exchange with. I don't mean sexual, but, Just but you know, a perspective. women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, woman's perspective. perspective. Yeah. That's not all on me. Mm. And I like that you get variety that way because you have several women friends. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and that feels good for me that I feel emotionally secure in that way that you trust me and that you encourage me to have those friendships because, you know, human beings... Um, it's wonderful to, to interact in that way that I know that, and, and, and all of these women respect you so, so tremendously. And that one, that's one reason when I talk really highly of you and respectfully of you, I never talk in that negative way. Cause that's, I think a lot of people make mistakes is when they, especially to somebody of the opposite sex, when they talk negatively, that opens up a door of some kind of emotional support that can be a slippery slope for people when they're having challenges in their relationship to rely on somebody else uh, of the opposite sex, let's say, of um, in a heterosexual relationship to, to open up that door for emotional support that can become emotional infidelity in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have experienced what, what is you're saying there a couple of times with men who was confiding in me that... Uh, their relationship wasn't going well. And I was like listening to them. And suddenly they were seemed to have expectations of me. It's like, oh, we opened up a door here. Maybe I can get in that door with you. And that was never what I meant. I was listening to them like a human being. And But they felt, ooh, it's a woman I'm confiding to. And she feels sorry for me or she's listening to me. So maybe I can get my needs met with her. I was very uncomfortable mm -hmm. just by being a kind and listening human being. And you know what area that I think is really interesting is sarcasm. Like when people are sarcastic in public, about their partner and they say, I'm just kidding, and it hurts. They hit a little bit of, of a wound. I don't think that you got your partner's back when you're doing that. That's really uncalled for. You don't need to do that. You don't need to sacrifice 
their feelings of uh, experiencing hurt just for some freaking joke. Mm -hmm. I know that very well because I come from a culture that loves sarcasm. So I grew up with that and I was very sarcastic myself and and my brother was sarcastic, my partner was. I mean, it was just normal to be sarcastic and and I didn't realize how hurtful it is uh, until you began to give me feedback on how hurtful that was and how meaningless it was to be so sarcastic. It was like, in a way, it was probably a protective armor I had, and I was shooting darts out to, to keep my protection Darts was sarcasm. Hmm. And I learned to transform that together with you, especially when we were at Esalen and we were studying gestalt therapy and other ways of speaking in a mature and respectful manner to each other. Yeah, I just I just remember, you know, hearing some of that talk not you know you did a little bit because i knew it was something from your family or, or culture but to me you know the emotional safety of knowing oh when is that going to come like it felt like backstabbing instead of having your back you know not feeling comfortable around oh they're going to bring up something stupid that i said or did from you know in the past just to just to get again you know a laugh from somebody and and that doesn't feel safe. Exactly. And yeah, I grew up in a culture and, and I used it as making fun of others uh, in front of others in party settings and group settings and just making a quick remark. And yeah, it's stabbing. Mm, You're yeah. right. And you know, it's a little bit of a dichotomy in some way of your family because um, I really, what I am inspired by is how they have each other's back when they really need each other. And, and not just in, in emergencies, but I mean, whenever, whenever somebody needs moving, your parents have always been there to help or, um, you know, Sylvester, your nephew, whenever there needs to be some more, when your mother just passed away a few months ago, your family really got together and supported each other and had each other's back on on how to um, help with the material things of our apartment. And I'm just really impressed about, they never said no, even when your parents came here, they really wanted to, to help and support us in ways that they could help with the house. And your father really wanted to bring his expertise to remodel some things. And they were always game to help in that in that way, and and I never felt I always felt they had our back if we if we needed them for something. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is true. I did grow up in a family, both my mom and dad, always helping if there was need for anything, and they had four kids, and uh, they would just throw anything they had in their hands to come help. If the kids called for help of any kind, whether it was garden work or breaking a tooth at school or, you know, whatever. Was that you? You broke a I tooth? I broke a, two teeth at school. <laughs> Your front teeth. Yeah. And did they come right at you? And my mom came right away. 
Mm-hmm. So I just always knew they would come right away if there was anything. So reliable and dependability is part of emotional safety and having somebody's back. When you know that somebody is really dependable, that you can really call up. And many people are probably thinking they have a ha- you know a few people in their life that they know they can call up at any time of the day and they can speak and they can ask for help, you know, that the person will be dependable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful feeling. It gave me a lot of safety growing up like that. Yeah. And it was absolutely wonderful all the times I had to move also when I lived in Denmark. And they would show up, mom and dad, sister, brother, uh, friends, a mm. lot, and come and help. And we would have one full day of moving or three full days of moving and making food for each other. And uh, it was lovely. We worked hard, but it was also good family time. So, oh, gosh, I, I live with that. It's in my back. I think I've been getting better at when to be dependable in ways that you need me around, let's say, the computer. Years ago, I think I would get a little more frustrated when you couldn't figure something out after I told you several times. Or And in these years, I don't know how many years. I've really... Yeah, you didn't have so much patience <laughs> with me. And I am not a computer nerd at all. I'm an artist, so I don't think that way. And so I need help looking at it. And I can sit there and look at the screen and not see the solution. You come over. Like last night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But now you do it in a more pleasant way I than do. you did years ago because you I would do. really show impatience and then maybe disgust. Is that the word or so? Uh, uh, maybe you have a better word for it. Frustration. Uh, about why I couldn't figure it out and why I had to interrupt you and have your help right now. Uh, and of course, the way I ask for help is always I get a little bit of a meltdown when I sit in front of the computer because I don't understand it so well. So I melt down a bit. Yeah, like like with fuck, fucking, fuck, fucking. And I said, honey, if you talk like that to the computer, it's not going to want to treat you well. It's not going to want to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, it's true. And that's a, a time where I forget to speak nice <laughs> when it's a computer or my phone that's acting up then I don't speak nice to them and I should know better because I know they are energetic items that does pick up on my emotions yeah. and my outpouring so then I need your help coming in with your calmness and within seconds or very few minutes you solve the issues so I could get into my website last night, for example. I could not for remember at all how I, to get in there. And I love when you're grateful of that. You're grateful like I rescued and you're like, oh, wow, you just did magic. That's fantastic. And I feel so good. I feel like the white and shining armor in that way. And so there is a Yeah, different... I'm pretty good at then giving thanks and appreciation. Yeah, I think that helps a lot. You know, I would put that out to people that when you do ask for help or you feel frustrated when your partner does come and help. I think it's so important that you acknowledge that they did help and that you really appreciate it so that they want to come and do more of that. Yes, exactly. And I do know that trick, Hmm. um, that good thing to do. And uh, I am truly grateful when you help me out with 
my computer. So I don't mind giving you a roll of appreciations for that mm. right after because I feel truly grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, other areas where I feel that you have my back is when I do tell you, hey, I, I really need to talk about this or I have this challenging issue. You know, will you make some time for me, you know, to, to listen? And and when you do. And w- one thing that I feel that you really have my, my back is that you're present, that you're interested and you ask questions. You don't just maybe c- criticize something that I said or didn't do that is causing me this this stress, that you're really present and you're compassionate. Yeah, that's a big one. You're compassionate and kind. And I think that th- I really feel that you, I feel emotionally safe and that you have my back when I have some issue that maybe either I'm melting down about or I am stressed and it's causing me to to worry or um, not feel so confident about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and why shouldn't I be compassionate? I mean, you are my partner and I want you to thrive. And it's good for me too when you're up and not down. So of course I want to help you stay up. And when you come home from work and maybe is very full or, you know, really need some compassion to relieve all the pressures of work and people's stories and whatever else you encountered on your way. So why not give you my undivided attention and compassion so you can unload and get back up and then we can be together. And doing that is an also inspiration for me to want to do that to you too. And and I know that that shouldn't be the reason, but that, that does play in our relationship. I think the more that we do to each other, the other one wants to do it too. Because I know when you had some challenges last year with your women's group and, and you were disappointed and didn't feel seen, I felt I really had you back in that way. I, I was listening. I was compassionate. I helped you formulate. Uh, an email that took hours and hours, and you talked about it for days, and and um, oh gosh, that was a big crisis for me. Mm-hmm. And you really had my back there. Oh gosh, how I needed you! Yeah, I felt so attacked and vulnerable, and what to do here? I need help, and I really asked for your help there. Because um, it was more than one woman coming at me, and uh, you're grounded. Look at this and walking through it with me. Oh, it meant so much to me. And I felt it was. I, yeah, I, 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 I saw a little bit that you were losing some confidence in yourself too. You were doubting yourself, and and uh, I didn't see that, you know. And I didn't want you to go down that path too. And I wanted to help you really feel more authentic and embodied that you had a right to feel what you were feeling. And so that was one part too. Yes, gosh. Mm -hmm. If you hadn't come in and reinforced that, I would just have kept going downwards because of all their accusations and critiques of me. Yeah. Mm. That was totally crazy projections Mm. on me. 
So it was so good you could stay calm there with me. And it was a tremendous support. It was huge and very important. And I think those are pivotal moments because when couples don't do that for each other, like in my work, um, there's trauma. I, I work with couples when they say, you know, um, our relationship feels broken when my mother died and you weren't really supportive, that you weren't there for me. Or when I lost a job and you weren't, I didn't feel that you were there for me at all. And I don't feel that trust. Trust is broken. And it takes a while for that to ever turn around. Um, to work towards more trust. So when we have these experiences of trust, of feeling that the other one is there for each other, to have that emotional safety, it can just build upon that in trust and reliability. It doesn't erode it. So I think those moments are really pivotal, especially, you know, big moments around stepping up. Like when your mother passed away, a few months ago, of course, I was affected because I love her dearly, but I really wanted to be there for you in ways and uh, have patience and, and listen to you and know that you were spending a lot of time communicating with your, your brothers and sisters throughout that. And I really wanted to be there and give you that support because those pivotal times are so important. Mm -hmm. It meant so much to me that... You kept asking, so what's going on now? And what are they saying? And what are they feeling? And what are you feeling? And and you you kept asking, really interested in everything that was going on. And you made sure we had dinner on the table. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so many ways that we can support each other in those times. Uh, but that that's an interesting point, because I'm thinking about you know, me inquiring of how you are doing, how are they feeling? And I think some people feel that they should, that's intruding. I, did, I, I shouldn't really ask or pry so much. If you, if you really need me, you'll ask. In those times, I don't think that that's the right move. You know, more of the right move is to, to ask and inquire what's going on for you. Do you need me? Is it okay that I'm asking these questions? Do you want some alone time? Is it best if I don't ask questions and you just come to me, because the default of somebody not inquiring, the other person feels that they don't care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I really appreciate that it's almost every day that you ask, so how is your sister doing now? Mm. How is your brother doing now? How is it, how's it going with your family in Denmark in general? And... It just feels so good that you're showing that interest. Mm. And and I can tell about the latest stories because I'm in contact with them every day on Signal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, um, it keeps me abreast of, of your inner world. And that's so important to me is I want to know what your inner world is, where you're, where you're having some struggles or where you feel confident in and you know, where you might be contemplating something that is challenging so I can lend some support. I think knowing each other's inner worlds and knowing the boundary around, I don't have to push you to for you to disclose things that you're not comfortable with, but I definitely want to be there for, uh, for you to feel that you have an, um, a good landing place, uh, a safe place to be able to express 
what's going on, even with the ups and downs. It doesn't matter if one day it's really challenging and the next day it's euphoric. I mean, that's how we are as human beings. We're, we have that internal weather. So keeping abreast of where each other are, I think is having each other's back in a way because I don't feel alone. I don't think that you feel alone in your own journey of what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. It really feels good. Yeah. You know, another area that I was thinking about is when you and I have some ideas of like taking a risk of uh, a creative project or, you know, when I said, hey, I want to go back to school. I'm 40 years old. You know, this was 18 years ago. And I, I want to go back and get my counseling degree. And, and, and you were like, great. That sounds great. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's going to be a lot of me time away. You know, I'm going to be studying a lot and I'm going to be working at the same time. And, and you were just so supportive. Yeah, I would come home very late because I had to go to the, the, the research at the library because we had dial up internet at that time. So, so I had to do all my research at the university that was uh, in downtown Asheville. And I would come home late many nights and you were just very, very supportive. You knew that it was important to me to to want to uh, do this venture. Mm-hmm. I had no doubt that you should do this no matter what because I could just feel the passion and it just felt really authentic that you should go this route and study this. So we would just have to deal with whatever came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from that experience and just other experiences too, I do feel that pretty much if I have a passion or if I feel that I want to explore something and take some risk, that you will support me in that, that I I will feel emotionally safe that you would say, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Even though I know that you would tell me the truth if you didn't feel that it was, but you would tune in enough to the desire that I have about a creative passion or something that I feel that I need to do that you would trust that that is something that I would need to explore. And that really feels like, like, uh, like you have my back that you really feel that whatever I do in some way, I can be a success, whatever that, that does mean of, of connecting with, uh, um, with making that, reality come to fruition and making it beneficial for for all of us so mm-hmm, that sure. feels really good yeah yeah and that's the thing I, I listen to what feels authentic for you and the thing is also our lives can't keep staying the same so suddenly you wanted to go study well okay then and we will make or everything work around that. So it, because it just sounded like truth that you should go to that school and study that. Mm-hmm. And look at that. It's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love your job. Yeah. Love what you're doing. So, ooh, that was a good investment. Yeah. And even when we uh, decided to move down here to, to Asheville area, uh, that was an interesting endeavor of you just trusted. Yeah, you go, you go. I had like four days to find a house and and I was on a scouting mission to come yeah, down. Yeah, I was in Europe and you were here in the States. Right. And I was just like, 
I'll trust you will find something for us, even though I can be a bit controlling about I want Ooh, things a yeah, certain way yeah. and I really want a high standard home and uh, a lot of wishes I have for how I live. And whoa, you just found the magic place for us. Yeah, that I was, was very impressed without me being around <laughs> at all. That was so interesting. That was uh, that you actually trusted um, me to find find the house in a few days, and and uh, also a place to work, and 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 you didn't see it, you didn't know it. That I told you that um, I found it, I found our place, and you can trust that that it's it, it's something that you would really like and that you would want, and and so that building up of that confidence too, and we've done that with each other. In that in that way, trusting each other and had each other back, and and I, what's coming to me too is like not to just gloss over that that always happens because there's times where I felt way in the past too that you didn't have my back, like I wanted something and I felt like it should be, it should be my way in some way because I was it was the logical thing like when we were moving around in Europe and and we were going to Portugal for a while for many many months and. You wanted to pack all these freaking suitcases and the the old fashioned baby buggy and the car seat, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, we, we gotta travel light. We have no idea where we're gonna go, how long we're going for. We're on this this uh, this adventure, and um, you were kind of pushing it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, I was in that we were in the car going to the airport, and I said we don't need to take this car seat because we're only going to have we're going to have a car for a little bit and we'll rent one and and I took the car seat cuz I was so frustrated and I took the car seat and I threw it out the window into the sandbox in your parents uh, apartment area. I remember your dad looking at me like, "Damn, you've got some balls, man. Go ahead and do that." And I just felt like, "Gosh, she doesn't have my back. She's not supporting my idea of how we need to travel." No. I had my own bag there because I knew that I wanted seven suitcases <laughs> and I wouldn't compromise on that. You didn't have my bag, babe. I, I, I was literally breaking my back with those seven suitcases. And so what? You were young and strong. And I disagreed with you. I stood yeah. my ground. I wanted the seven suitcases. And the thing is, two of those suitcases was a baby buggy and a stroller. So... It's really five suitcases for three people. It's not that much mm, yeah. for traveling to the unknown in Portugal. Yeah. Who knows how long we were going to stay there, if we were going to actually live there or or what. So, yeah. yeah, I wanted to cover my bases, but um, I could see that... Uh, your limit had been reached and eight was too many for you. So I was like, okay, so let that car seat go and I trust you know that we can rent another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, even times when you were late in in certain places and, and I didn't feel like you had my back when I wanted you to be a certain place in a certain time. And, and I think sometimes we got to live with that. I'm not always going to get my way. You know, I'm not always going to be understood that you'll have my back in, in, in those kind of ways. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I, I was chronically late back in those days. 
maybe for many years of my life. So um, that was how I lived. Yeah. And that was clashing, clashing with your way of like to be early. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, dependable, be on time, be reliable. Yeah, that's kind of, is, it, is that and my I'm Cap more dreamy. Yeah, it's your Capricorn rising. Mm. I'm more dreamy and following my inner flow and and coming in my own time and that being Pisces. So, yeah, a little bit clashing there now and then and disagreements. And then over the years, we have worked out compromises. No. Well, I want to say there was also once you didn't have my back because a few years ago, I really wanted us to go on a long vacation to Italy. And I was bringing it up and you almost fainted. You're hyperventilated. And you said a month. And I was like, how am I going to get, get away from work for a month? Yeah. <laughs> There was just a stone wall and you got really upset and you had to walk out of the room and I didn't dare to bring up the subject again for months, if not a year actually. And then I brought it up again, a little more gently this time. How about we take a vacation in Italy before we die, before we get too old? We need to have one romantic vacation. And we had been together for at least 20 years by then, and we never had a honeymoon. And now Sander was older, so we could get away. And uh, so you didn't hyperventilate when I brought up that year later. But um, but I think it was the length that I <laughs> I had I had an issue with like oh, wow a month how am I going to do that for a month can't we just go for a couple weeks and I didn't yeah I, but I disagree because if we're going to fly across the ocean why just only be gone for one week that is crazy with jet lag and everything no way I want to stay for a while and, and have a good experience and I'm hooked now you're right like I love we we took the couple of those. Uh, trips for yeah, a month. Suddenly, yeah, now, you now we just go for three weeks. Open up, you were so <laughs> resistant yeah. and could not at all see my point about that it's a good idea to go on vacation. Well, you're European, like you Europeans, you go, you, you get a long vacation during the year. You get like six, seven weeks or eight weeks. Us Americans, mm -hmm. we get like two weeks for the year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very natural to go on vacation coming from Europe. Mm. And it's easy to go to another country and feel it's a very different experience than where we live because each culture and country is so different. So it's very satisfying going on vacation. Mm. Yeah, so I vacationed a lot before I met you. Yeah. You know, what's coming up in a memory for me is also, I think, for... for most male partners when if there's a if there's a child if there's a pregnancy that's the time for us men to really step up and have our woman's back to really protect them protect them from outside sources that can cause stress whether it's during the birth you know to make sure that you know we're the protector in some way of um of trying to give the the best and healthy ex experience that that our partners can have but also afterwards i remember you really wanted to just settle in 
with the three of us, with me, you, and Xander, and get to know this new family. And I came from a culture that, you know, the family comes right away, and there's all kinds of interactions, and and you didn't want that. You didn't want any family or any friends to, to come into that sacred space for a couple months. And and to me, that was like, a couple months? Are you crazy? How am I gonna ward off you know, my, my mother? How am I gonna ward off her from coming? And I, I, it sank in. I'm like, you're right. You know, that's what you need. You know, I know that they're going to be disappointed, but I really see it. And um, I felt I had your back in that way of, of putting up that boundary. So sometimes really putting up boundaries in situations to create safety in the family. We have to have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciated that. That was a big test for you. Yeah coming from another culture and, yeah, family traditions. And, yeah, it just felt natural to me. It's a sacred time right after birth. It's a sensitive time. And that little being have just arrived into this world. Um, just mm. wanted to protect my baby and mm. have peace and quiet for a while. Such, such a baby can soon enough be introduced to the world mm-hmm. yeah and maybe we'll do another podcast about how you know parents have each other's back how to support each other because that's a tricky but interesting endeavor to, as parents of when to side with your partner you know how to but yet you got to also protect your child at times too and that's a that's a tricky one but i always felt that we did that pretty well together about having each other's back because we would communicate well about an incident and what was needed and how we could have changed the situation and better. We were really open to hear each other's feedback. And I think that's so important. You know, the, I think people will mess up about whether they totally hundred percent feel emotionally safe with their partner. The most is about communicating, being open to hear at times when you're not and when the other partner wasn't available in ways that you want to hear it with an open mind, with a, with a uh, curious, compassionate understanding. Um, so that creates more of the connection to try it again, to try to um, make decisions that create that that safety with each other. So I really appreciate that you're open to continually do that in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I am. But I agree with you that we could make another podcast around being parents. Yeah, we'll do that. Well, I know it's getting a little late for you and you have my back tonight, babe, because I'm going to get this sucker in before the deadline. And uh, I know I was pulling you to come up here, but uh, really appreciate that you saved my ass. That's, I guess, another way of saying you got my back. So thank you. You're welcome, lovey. And uh, yeah, I have some projects waiting for me down there. I'll help you with your computer. Thank you. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content 
is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.